Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. I would like to start with a parable. You would? Mm-hmm. I wanted to just start by talking about dog food. but I, I, I know, but you'll waste <laughs> too much time when we go down that rabbit hole. Don't buy dog food, or don't buy fireworks. Instead, buy dog food. It was just this random thing. I just saw it on <laughs> Facebook. I'm never on Facebook anymore, but I was on Facebook for some reason this morning, and I found this meme that just said just that. Don't, instead of, buying, instead of fireworks, buying dog food. Or instead of buying instead fireworks. of buying fireworks, why don't you go to the store and buy pet food and donate it to your local shelter? Why don't you make and you know make what? a difference, not noise? Instead, That's what it said. Instead of buying fireworks, why don't you uh, rearrange your sock drawer? I just thought it was so weird. I was like, <laughs> why would you? Who's instead of buying fireworks? Why don't you uh, vacuum the living room? Instead, instead of buying fireworks. Yeah, what does that have to do with Instead of buying fireworks, why don't you honk the horn and wave at the neighbors? I told you, I think think it has to do with the fact that pets are afraid of fireworks a lot of the time. And there are some animal rights activists who are like, stop shooting guns, stop playing with fireworks. Stop making loud noises because it frightens your animals. Problems driving your loud cars with bad mufflers down the road because you're not thinking of the animals. Right. Some people do go that route. That was the best that you could surmise. That was the only connection between (laughs) fireworks and pet food I I like the way you feel compelled to somehow make some sort of rational sense out of these random... Yeah, because there had to have been something going on in there, right? You don't think that there there are people who are just obsessed with animals and pets? No, that's and, yes, they're obsessed with so animals they, and their pets. But why are what's the vendetta against fireworks specifically? What what do fireworks have to do with that? I don't know. Well, it's almost Fourth of July, right? It's almost Fourth of July. So my guess is that somebody was shooting off fireworks in the neighborhood and frightened their animals. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the best I can come up with. But okay. but as a standalone meme, it was so random. <laughs> like, what? But it was entertaining. What because, Like I said, since you sent it to me this morning, I have been thinking about it all day long while I was out mowing all of the random things. Instead of, instead of buying fireworks, why not mow your yard? You could change the fireworks, too, and just be like, instead of... Instead, Instead of, of doing anything, filling up your tank with gas today, why don't you go and buy a can of dog food and right. donate why don't to the you? shelter? Why don't you? Why not donate some pet food to the local shelter? Yeah. Instead of spending money on anything that you would spend money Instead on. Instead of brushing your teeth today, right. why don't you go and donate some pet food? Instead of buying soap, they're and not personal mutually hygiene exclusive problems. things. That's what's so weird about it. <laughs> Instead like, of spending money, how about on something? Both? <laughs> Instead of spending money on something, why not spend it on? Why not? <laughs> Or, like, yeah, why don't you go buy fireworks and pet food? Just, uh, why not buy exploding pet food? <laughs> instead, of, instead of doing this with your money, why not do another thing with your money? Why not? Oh, right? my goodness. Why not ask yourself that question? Before you spend any money, before you spend a dollar, ask yourself, hey, before I spend this dollar, why don't I spend this dollar on something 
other than what I am about to spend it on. Right. Why not? And if you do that, then you'll never spend any money. Anyway, this is what I said. You could literally go ahead and spend start with your parable. The rest of the episode. Go ahead and start with your parable, which we buy. can't we can't do now because we started with something else. <clears throat> okay, so mm-hmm. once upon a time, once upon a time, there was a church-going family that experienced a devastating house fire. Like all of their earthly possessions were completely consumed in this blaze. Right, just totally raised. To the ground, everything this they own. This is a sad parable. It's a very, very, very big, tragic fire. And so the mother in the family stood up in front of the congregation. Some, oh, oh my kids are fighting. We're going to have to pause for just a moment. <laughs> Instead of pausing, why don't we buy some pet food? <laughs> I have to pause and maybe buy some pet food. Okay, we're back. Thanks for waiting. Okay. Even though you didn't wait because it was instantaneous. <sighs> yeah, well, you know. <coughs> Uh, every now and then you got to go and sort out some problems before you can continue your parable. So you know what they to be say. A parent. That's yeah. another famous saying. Before you finish your parable, why not go and help straighten out your children? So, so this house fire. So the lady, the mom in the family stands up in front of the church a couple of Sundays later and says, you know, the, most of you are aware of, of this tragedy that took place in our family. And we just want to thank you for all of your support. And I just want to say that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Like these, these things happen and we don't know why. And it's, there's just not anything you can do about it. And it's just the way that it is. And, but we, we really appreciate the love that you've surrounded us with. Right. Right. And so, thanks for support under the circumstance that wasn't necessarily a terrible speech. And they really were grateful for all of the, the donations and things that rolled in from their church family. And so life went on and things were, relatively okay for a while um but down the line i know where this is going down the line uh, another family in the church had a really really terrible house fire Uh they lost everything lost everything everything burned out in the family um and they they stood up and said very similar things thanks for your support this this tragedy was unavoidable and we appreciate you standing with us while we go through this horrific ordeal we may never know what god is thinking or you know his ways are different from our ways and sometimes sometimes bad things happen to good people sometimes bad things happen to good people let me guess what happens yeah go ahead there's another family in Uh the church actually same families both of them have second oh the same family They they have another house fire yeah each yeah. family over time, not the same night. That'd be crazy. Right, right, right. Not but the same like, night. But over, over the course of the next year or two, or they years. each experience another devastating, another devastating house, house fire that burns everything up. Yeah, and, and then and then and then there are a few other families. You know, four, five, six years go by, and and more families from the same congregation experience these all same have these house horrific fires. house fires. Yeah, really terrible, and they lose everything. Right, and the. All throughout the whole ordeal, the refrain is constantly this idea that um, it can't be helped. We can't, yeah, we don't know why these that things God, happen. God will give us the strength to get through this. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes it just happens. Yeah. So um, bad luck. Eventually, you know, after a decade or so of the, these patterns kind of emerging, a very bold and assuming um, uh, fire chief decides to do an investigation because he wants to try to diagnose why all these houses keep burning 
That was his first mistake. So he is not convinced that it's just random things that can't be helped. No, he, for he, some he thinks reason, there's a cause behind it. Yeah, for some reason he decided to stick his nose in a bunch of people's business and get all judgy. Clearly, he's not a Christian. Right. A Christian knows that sometimes God th- that things <laughs> he just works happen in mysterious ways. And right. so he's trying to find some sort of uh, of cause. He's right. he's looking for a reason for this stuff to happen because right. he doesn't. He doesn't have the he, same. The he doesn't same understand, faith. right? He doesn't, he doesn't understand the same how God works. That right. God sometimes and so does like this. Uh, upon investigating, this fire chief uh-huh. discovers that um, after the first house fire, people in the congregation started lighting candles as a vigil. They would support each other by remembering the tragedy by leaving candles blazing unattended for many, many hours at a time. Right, in their homes. In their homes, next to curtains and things, occasionally right. next to open bottles of gasoline. And, right, they would know, start storing gasoline. <laughs> all their household chemicals. <laughs> they would yeah. store gasoline next to their burning candles. Yeah, things like yeah. that. It was part of the ceremony, right? They right. had these altars that were built to to show loving kindness and support. Right, in support of the families that have lost, lost everything, everything in house fires. They right. would set up right. fire <laughs> Fire vigils. Fire uh, <laughs> altars, yeah. And so uh-huh. he says to somebody, um, that probably hey, needs to stop. Hey, like, one I'm thing, not trying to tell you. <laughs> one thing you can do if you would like to reduce the number of tragic house fires in this congregation is to stop with the candle burning. Is stop setting. Because you've taught your children. Candles on fire. Uh, really improper fire safety protocols. Like you're you're not teaching your children how to be safe with fires. And so they're they're actually being actively trained how to set houses on fire, they're as actually, it were. Yeah, they're actually doing things that lead to house fires. Yeah, that's that's part of the statistically this culture in your church is now house fire culture. Statistically, the number of house fires goes up when people set burning candles next to gasoline. <laughs> yes, or other accelerants. Yes, even if they do house. it because they believe that that's what God wants them to do. That's still going to increase the number of house fires. Or even if they believe that these that house fires are just random and sometimes yes. they happen and sometimes... So, you, so then all the people who had had a bunch of tragic house fires were like, thanks for the info. We'll start implementing this right away. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, no, that's not actually part of the story. <laughs> I was going to say, that that was a twist I wasn't that's, expecting. That's not how it goes because yeah. as soon as they were told what they should do to improve their their lot in life they got extremely defensive they started shouting that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and that he they don't need this right now he's been lucky that he hasn't had a house fire he's just judgmental and lucky that it wasn't his house that burnt there but for the grace of god goes he and And everyone else he just it could have it could have easily been him you could be in our place if you weren't if you weren't so callous and arrogant you would recognize that Yep. Our house could be your house. Yep. And also real Christians leave candles burning all the time in their house too. Don't forget that. If you were a real Christian who really loved people and cared, then... Well, if you care about people, then you support them in their house fire and you support them by... Imitating, potentially setting your own right, house right, on fire. Right, imitating their behavior that leads right. to house If you set your own house yep. on fire, then that proves that you, re- by golly, you really are in solidarity with them. And if you have had a house fire, now you can talk to them uh, about their house fire. As long as you don't make the house fire their fault. As long as, long right. as you just commiserate with them right. and don't try, to, don't try to assert that they have done something to... 
cause uh, it. To cause it. So, yeah. so Carl's a pretty sharp guy. Our neighbor Carl, who listens in on this podcast, yeah, probably that's you. That's you, Carl. Probably figured out that there's some reason that we're telling this story, and it has something to do with pet food. <laughs> it doesn't. No, unfortunately. Um, but this was, I'm going to read at least a, a chunk of the post that was shared. Is this going to get us in trouble? I don't know. Okay. Going to get us in trouble with who? By the way, Gabe, this is slightly off topic, but Gabe is is getting a bit of an attitude on water break. I just came from recording. Good. It. I, I know. <laughs> I like it. It's like, he's like, he ended up his pitch with, from the sponsor today with uh, so quit buying worthless crap and uh, and buy this stuff. <laughs> okay. Buying worthless crap. Quit wasting your money on worthless crap and buy something that... Uh, buy pet food. Yeah, well, it wasn't pet food, but... It, yeah. And then he, he was talking to, uh, to Rod about something, and he asked him a question. He goes, now, if you were elected... If you were elected president and before you were assassinated, what would you do? That <laughs> <laughs> was... It was thought that was pretty funny. Uh, a witty line. You would get assassinated, but before that happened, if you were elected president and before you were killed for your you radical were killed extremism, for your radical agenda, yeah, what would that radical agenda be? Right. What would get you killed? Mm-hmm. What would it be that would end your life? All right. So read a little bit of this, so Carl will have the actual context. Here's, so this is actually actually a thing that somebody wrote. This is not a parable. No, this was actually written and then shared. Uh, like 25,000 times on social media. Oh, that I didn't want to hear. Including by people in my own hometown who are professing Christians who go to my own home church. Right. So, um, right. This is what it says. I didn't want There's to a hear. reason why parents of big kids shut down when their kids hit the teenage years. There's a reason why moms stop talking to other parents at the pickup lines and dads avoid people at all costs. You know that phrase, little kids, little problems, big kids, bigger problems. It's so true. And if you're lucky enough to raise a teenager that never drank Am or Am I smoked, allowed to interject or do you have to wait until you finish? We haven't even gotten to the part that makes sense with the parable yet. But Here's little kids, little part. problems is not true. I mean, the same the problems are the same size. Well, I've heard little kids, little problems, but the idea is that you're supposed to train them when they're little and don't wait until they become bigger problems. Right. It's, the same, it's the same problem. That right. It's, a big, it's big when they're that age so the problem grows in proportion well, to the child right but that's the point it, when you have little kids with little problems that is your opportunity to teach them so to prevent that them from having when big they're problems. big kids they don't right. have as big a problem all right, right whatever anyway if you're lucky enough to raise a teenager who never drank or smoked or did drugs if you're lucky enough to have a child that never got arrested for a misdemeanor or snuck out or cheated on a test if you're lucky enough to never feel like you were just a complete and utter failure as a parent because of the behavior of your kid, despite your best efforts, consider it just that. Lucky. Lucky. Because for most big kids who do something bad, it's usually not from bad parenting as much as the teen no. making a bad decision. And we need to sit on that for a second. Before we rush to judgment, before we roll our eyes and start mentioning all the things we think those parents did wrong, before we fill ourselves with righteous indignation... We need to remember it could be our kid. And how do we want people to treat us? Mm-hmm. Sure, we need to be conscientious parents and raise our kids to the best of our abilities. But unless you have severely neglected, abused, or traumatized your child, we need to recognize that sometimes teenagers lose their way despite our best efforts. Addiction can be genetic. Violence could be linked to a traumatic event not related to the parents. Stealing could be attention-seeking behavior. Lying is testing boundaries. But also... Teenagers have been found to be poor decision makers if they feel pressured or stressed or are sneaking 
seeking attention from peers. So while with one friend, a teen may say no to alcohol at a party with peers, they may want to impress and they may engage in binge drinking in a spur of the moment request. Mm -hmm. Rather than blaming the parents, we need to rally around families who need their support instead of pushing them further under the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shall I go on? There's more. No, I, I, I don't. I, I I always get guarded. I always get wary when I don't see the word sin and things like that, but I see mistakes. Oh yeah, this is poor not decisions. even this doesn't even claim to be from a Christian perspective. Right. This poor doesn't decisions. even mention church at all. Right. The only reason I even connected it to church in my parable is because it's, it's because church people, people who are sharing are it. Sharing it right. And it doesn't seem to bother them that it does not come from a godly Christian biblical perspective. It doesn't even attempt to draw on. Right. There's no scripture. There's no scripture in there. It's just, it's experience. In fact, she says, I speak from experience. Sometimes good kids just make bad decisions. I've got some grown up kids who are absolutely awful, right? But it's not my fault. So I have another thing to share. It's not a parable at all. It comes from houses burned down. It comes from Dave Ramsey, the financial guru. And Mm. he says, don't take advice from broke people. That's his, one of his famous lines. Don't take parenting advice from failed parents. It gets him in trouble all the time. Right, but isn't that person's <laughs> point, isn't that person's point that, that just because they're, just because their children are Rotten. making bad decisions, yeah. that that doesn't mean that they're bad parents. Yes, that is their whole point, which is right. why they're deeply offended to be compared to broke people. They right. don't want to be judged by their fruit. They don't want to be judged by the job that they did raising children. Right. Right. They don't. They don't want us to look at their kids to determine what kind of job they did. They, they don't want us to judge them based on the job that they've done keeping their house from burning down. They want us to just assume or, or give them credit for being really good uh, housekeepers from burning down. This herbs. this really is a tendency in business, too, which is why Dave Ramsey has spent, what, 20 years or 30 years More than that, yeah. talking about this on his radio show. Because there are many people who have filed bankruptcy or they've had multiple failed business endeavors. Because it just happens. And they, yeah, then they stand up and they sell books and they like go on speaking tours and things like encouraging people to never give up. And it's like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You have made zero money. And, and worse than that now, they're like. Well, it's lucky. It's, it's. Right. They're now. Lucky. They're now undermining or trying to disparage what good successful parents are doing by saying meh it's just luck right well and and if it is just luck then what are you talking about i mean you don't have any control over luck yeah why would you count how can you counsel a parent to just be lucky that's like right that's like telling somebody who's going to vegas you know hey just put your money on winning numbers right Right. but that's their but that's their whole point like that's what they want they would rather they would rather believe they have absolutely no control over where their kids go than to face face the music that perhaps they did have some sort of control and they botched it. And so they're now telling everybody, including those who actually did a decent job. Like she even says, even if you didn't have a kid who went to jail or you don't have a kid who's stealing and you don't have a kid who's doing drugs, mm-hmm. you don't have a kid with mental health issues, it's just lucky. Well, I would submit that that it doesn't mean that you are a failed parent if you have a kid who who went to jail or tried drugs or drank or snuck out at night. Those are things that a good parent sometimes, even, even good kids, even parents that are, that are raising kids properly are going to have their children do things like that. Right. And that's why it's, it's not just, it's not just luck. You deal with that 
when they when they break the law. When they start to go off the rails is when you bang right. them back onto the rails. But what I'm saying is that's why the important thing to pay attention to is the pattern and and the continuing aspect of the reinforcing of the bad behavior and the the fact that fires are continuing to crop right, up in right, the right, same right. congregation. That's, that's where those those parents would say, "Well, see, my kid my kid smoked. I told him not to smoke, but they smoked anyway and right. they got high." And it's like, "What are you going to do about it?" Right. Well, you're going to tell them that they're not supposed to smoke and they're not supposed to get high and that they're breaking the rules and you bring the consequences down. But right. you don't just throw up your hands and go, well, some parents never have this. No, every parent has this because every every child is a sinner. Every child is a rebellious sinner. And so it's not just that some kids never misbehave. It's that I, some I don't even think, kids are disciplined. I, I honestly don't think that they understand the difference. And I think that you're actually giving them a little bit more credit by trying to meet them halfway and be like, yes, we're all sinners and, you know, our kids actually do misbehave sometimes, but the difference is how you train them in the midst of those. Well, they talk about it like it's luck. Like right. there's some lucky parents who have children that never misbehave. Right. Well, I don't think I don't think that that's the case either. They actually talk about it like everybody's kids misbehave all the time no matter what. That's what they say. Their, the suggestion. Well, that's not what she said. That, she said if you have a child who didn't sneak out or didn't cheat well, on tests. Well, she's talking about major, like major consequences or things that have major consequences attached to them. She's she's suggesting that maybe if you didn't have a kid who went to jail, that could be lucky. But also, I don't know if you noticed there was a commenter underneath your post today who said, "I had a friend who told me my kid doesn't lie," and I have basically retorted, "Every kid lies, and all adult, all adults too, as long as they think that there's." you know, they're going to be saved some grief. They'll, they'll lie if they think it's going to save them some grief. And my response to that was, that's true, but that's why it's, an, it's a parent's job to teach the child that lying never saves them grief. It always causes more grief in the long run. But right. what happens is parents, when they start to feel out of control or they feel like things are not working the way that they expected them to, they immediately switch to this sort of relativistic, you know, I have no, I have no control over anything, right? And so they just quit. And I've, I've said before. Well, it's, it's, it's understandable that this comes from, from secular places. It's, it's the Christian people. It's when, the, it's when the church starts reposting and sharing these things that it becomes problematic. Because if you're a person who believes that becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Christ makes you luckier than other people. That's a weird theology and that's not, it's not biblical. Right. Well, and I understand that it takes a great deal of faith to trust God's promises. It was just a few weeks ago that we were recording this podcast and I was like, I just really need a more mature set of parents to reach out to me with encouragement and tell me that it's actually worth it and tell me that this long haul business really is a thing that I can I can continue to pursue and that it's going to pay off because it takes so long and it's so much work and it's so trying that it's hard to believe that these little acts of you know nourishing the small roots of these children will eventually grow into a tree that bears good fruit like right. it takes a long time and so as a result of the length of time you it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to think you're not making a difference and it's easy to start going down the path of well, it's not really up to me anyway. You know, it's all luck. It's all luck. If if it's all luck, then there's no reason to do anything. There's no right. there's no reason to set any rules to follow any sort of pattern because it's all luck. Right. You just 
you just roll the dice and some kids go bad and some kids are great and it makes no difference. I, I get that it's difficult to believe that the Bible has better answers for your parenting troubles than a psychiatrist or, you know, it feels like you're being more proactive when you get your kid on some prescription meds than when you start daily scripture reading with them or, um, or helping them memorize the catechism or, you know, singing psalms in your home. Like, it feels like you might actually be doing a better job raising them when you teach them not to worry all about all that stuff, not to worry about the judgment of others. Like, when that's the route that you take, it can feel like you're being, you're actually gaining more ground that way. It feels like you're empowered. Yes. But you're making a difference. But all that said, I'm just looking at the fruit. I'm looking at the results of the youth who are popping out of these churches where the idea that we can't be held accountable for our sin is being taught regularly. And I see that it's failing and I see it's not working and they won't even let me say that they're failing, which is another huge problem. These kids have not been taught how to confess their sins. They've not been taught how to admit guilt specifically to what they've done specifically wrong. Uh, Some of that is to parents who say, you know, don't let other people judge you and you're not going to tell me how to raise my kid. Right. Right. And different strokes for different folks. Like, how dare you? That may work for your family, but you don't know my family and this is working for us. And it's like, is it? it? Because right now you're grieving, you know, you're grieving the loss of your children. The spiritual death of these children is now causing mothers and fathers, but mostly mothers on social media (laughs) to share these memes. And it's out of their guilt and out of their mourning that they're saying, you know, I just don't need your judgment right now. I did the best that I could. And it's like, no, actually, what if, what if what you need right now is conviction from God and it's in his grace because he loves you that he's trying to stop you from continuing to perpetuate this badness? Conviction is never the solution yeah. in church anymore. Yeah, but no I'm, one ever needs conviction. Yeah, I know. All and we need is comfort and grace and I know. consolation. And 80% and of Southern Baptist youth don't come back to church but after we college. we need support. We never need conviction. No, they've been saying that for 30 years and it's rotten and their kids are not Christian anymore. And then they throw up their hands and say, we couldn't have done anything else. And I'm saying, what if they We never need to be could? embarrassed. We never need to feel ashamed of the job that we're doing as Christians, as parents, as uh, employees. We never, we never, ever, 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 ever think that shame is a thing that we should be motivated they, by. They even say it, she even says on this post later on, you know, we're already questioning every decision we ever made. And my thought in that was, why do you think that's bad? Why do you think it's a bad thing that you're now questioning? This is grace. This is God's way of trying to humble you to change that thing so that, so that again, your grandkids and great-grandkids right. don't fall into you're, the same pit. You're questioning everything that you did and then quickly retreating to, well, it's all just luck. Yeah. You question it for 30 seconds, but it's 30, so uncomfortable that you immediately... Like, you know what? I'm not going to question you that You rush anymore. to social media. There's nothing I do about it. The house is on fire. The house burned down. It just happens. Yep. Hand me a candle. They introspect for all of a minute and then immediately start writing these extremely long stream of conscious Facebook posts that get 25,000 shares. It feels icky. You're like, gosh, what if, what if I am partially responsible yeah. for not feeding my children yep. the truth? Yep. What if, I, what if I just wring my hands and shrug my shoulders and go, well, you know what? Sometimes I'm a good parent. It's yep. not my fault that my kid makes bad decisions. Yep. And, and there are house fires that are 
kind of random. There are house fires. Sure, there are. There up. are there are kids who were raised by by good parents who go off the rails. Yes, and it that, does happen. But if you're taking pleasure in that knowledge, if you're seeking comfort in that, if you're that if you're is, relieved yeah. to know that some that some kids go bad, yep. even though they've been raised by good parents, that's, that's perverse. That's yeah, that's messed a, up. You should not be enjoying that fact and searching for stories of bad kids because it makes you feel better about your house fire because those those are the exception and not the rule they shouldn't be you shouldn't have 80 percent of christian evangelical youth not coming back to church after college if you've got a if you've got a a group of people whose kids for the most part are leaving the faith or, or not leaving the faith. They're actually adopting the faith of their parents, which is what you pointed out. Right. It's just not Christianity. Well, the problem is it's a But it's their parents' weird... faith isn't Christianity either. That's what doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. like you've been literally saying throughout this whole post that it could be genetic. It's basically, you know, the only bad thing going on. The only people doing any bad thing at all are the judgmental ones. And your kid's not being judgmental. No. He just doesn't come to church anymore. So what is the big deal? Why are you more? Well, and he's, or she's come out as bisexual. And, uh, so what? The, I, like, I don't understand because the parents have been saying for years, the only thing that matters is loving other people. Right. Emphasizing what we have in common with our pagan right. neighbors. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, people. that they've adopted the religion of their parents. Right. I don't and know. And then their parents are upset. The because parents don't realize that <laughs> they're doing exactly what they were taught. They're like, oh, that's not the, that's not the religion I want them to have. But it's like, but that's the one that you have. Right. They're doing just what you do. You should be proud. They Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, the problem, the reason that they're not proud is because the first thing that their parent, that the first thing that these children do when they outgrow their Christianity is they kick their parents to the curb. It's not a good relationship they have with their parents. They don't allow their parents to come and see the grandkids. They don't, they don't have conversations with their parents. They, they have no respect for their parents, right? Because they understand that their parents. Are, but they sure do love their pagan neighbors. Yeah, they Isn't love their pagan that what neighbors. They, were taught to they do? love the marginalized people, but they don't really do that either. They they use the they marginalized in, people. They march in pride parades and they right, but that's talk just using that's just people. using people for, to signal your own virtue to right. let everybody to feel good about yourself and to hope keep your fingers crossed that the other people watching you march in that parade are going to go, ah, there goes a good person. Isn't it very much? They're too busy thinking about themselves to look at you. Isn't it very much the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon song? Like, Uh, isn't it similar? Like, you know, all of their lives, they're being taught that you just got to work. Work is the be all end all. We're going to work and make money and we don't have time for this or that. The only thing that matters is work. And then when the kid grows up and treats his father the same way the father treated him his whole life, the father goes, oh, yeah, it, he grew up to become just like me. It's the same yeah. idea with this religion. Well, that's that's true. That's the epiphany. But the but most people don't have that epiphany. Right. Most people don't see their children being just like them and go, oh, yeah, this is... They, they don't realize that they're looking at a reflection of themselves. Well, I'm trying children. to usher in that epiphany. I'm trying to point out to them... You have nothing to be upset about. They get their theology from their phone, just like you do. Right. And and you told them that they just need to focus on the bare minimum, the basics of doing the best just they can. Love, just do the best you can. Just be kind. Love everybody. Don't judge anyone. So there you go. They internalized that. The only thing you ever wanted to teach them was not to upset their pagan neighbors and to get along well with the world. And they have done it. They Congratulations. 
everything that you put your work into has come to fruition. Right. They are bearing that fruit. No, and if you're, right again, if you're a Christian person, it's a problem. If you're not a Christian person, it's not a problem. If you're not a Christian person, then you've, you are a exemplary little pagan who will whose house is going to burn to the ground multiple times. Yep. And there will be people who will gather around you and mourn with you and yep. shake their heads and, and I talk it. about how awful it is. Because it You're is. You're a good person. This shouldn't have happened it to you. It is awful. If you look, if the only thing you ever wanted was to raise healthy children or like, let's switch analogies a bit. I was talking about house fires before, but I've also mentioned gardening and fruit. Like if you've spent 18 years trying to, you know, grow an apple tree and you look at you look out the back window at the end of that 18 years and it's dead you have just a, a blackened you know shriveled up plant that's supposed to be an apple tree and it's just definitely a, just a not just a twisted piece of wood it's not growing any apples like that that's devastating and when it's your child when it's your beautiful important valuable child that you've spent all of this time pouring into because the only thing in the world you wanted was to raise a healthy a spiritually mature child. And you realize at the end that you have a dead, spiritually dead child. Mm -hmm. That's that's impossible to accept without the mercy of God to get you through the grief. It would be impossible. It's just like the women who have experienced abortion, who've asked for abortions prior to coming to Christ. Right. At that point, the only thing that's going to allow them to come to Christ, the one thing they need is repentance and forgiveness that's found only in Christ. But also, they need the mercy and the grace that's only found in Christ to get them to the point where they can admit where they that can what, admit they did what they did was awful. Was they killed a human being. And they can be forgiven for that. Yeah, yeah. And right. and it's, it's miraculous that anybody ever could take that route. Because without, without God, without God helping you, convicting you, disciplining you, and keep in sustaining you during the pain of all of that process. Yeah, you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to do it. Well, but by the same token, it is doubly tragic to look out at the disaster of the apple tree, for example, to stay in that analogy. Or a whole orchard. If you if you right, work in the youth orchard. You work in the youth group and, and the entire lot that is never, rotten. That you yeah. never watered it and you never did anything to protect it from the from the pests and the diseases and Or you, worse, you let other people come in and throw whatever godforsaken chemical on it they you wanted let other, to. You let other people wander around and climb up in the trees and break off branches and, and yep. treat it however because you didn't want to be judgmental of those people. You right. didn't want to push those people away or make them feel unwelcome or unloved. And right. so you allowed everybody to just ramble all over your orchard and do whatever they wanted with it. To then to look out at your destroyed apple trees and go, well, you know, it was all just luck. There was nothing I could do about it. Some sometimes orchards thrive and sometimes they don't. Yep. That's lightning strikes. That's doubly even in the best gardeners. Tragic. Garden. Yeah. It's doubly tragic because you have now not only have you destroyed your orchard, but you've learned nothing from it. Right. And so there is no redemption anywhere. There's no. Right. There's no upside. There's no silver lining in this cloud. Right. So maybe maybe this is the point where we need to offer that hope to those who are standing in the wreckage of their raised house or 
wandering around in their destroyed garden, their orchard, and tell them that actually it can be, it can be good news and it can be a good story, but it, it's going to hurt at first. It's going to hurt to realize that God is not Las Vegas. That it's not, things don't just happen for no reason. There's right. no, there is no luck. Well, there's no. There are mysteries. There, there are some mysteries that he has not revealed to us and that we're not able to understand. But when it comes to how to pass the faith on to the next generation, it, he tells us how to do that. There are some definite Just train things up you a can child do. in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. And that is a what what the scripture tells us. And so, if your child has, if your child is not of the faith and this is the hard lesson, then that means that you didn't train them up in the faith. You did not train them up in the way that you should go. That doesn't that doesn't mean that you didn't do what you thought was right. Right. Because it's possible, it's possible to be sincerely wrong. And right. I think a lot of people are sin- sincerely believe that if they just are nice to everybody, right. if they just don't squash their creativity, if right. you just don't argue with people, if you just let them... Let them be. Let them live. It grows all by itself. That they will grow all by itself, right. and they will they will magically be uh, attached to the vine, and they will begin to bear fruit right. themselves. Right, but that's why what's what tells what separates the um, I guess the sheep from the goats. What separates the true Christians from um, the prideful, fleshly people who don't actually want to resemble Christ in the long run is what do you do when you're convicted. What do you do when you realize that you have taken a wrong turn? What do you do when the fruit that you have been bearing and taking an honest look at is not the fruit of faithfulness and, and the Holy Spirit? Right. Like what- well, I th- and I think the question, you're, you're one who likes to back up from things. I think, I think that the first step is asking yourself, have I ever experienced conviction? You know, have I, well, what, what does that I feel like? like? To ask, the question I like to ask people is, if hypothetically there was something you could have done differently and there is something you need to be doing differently going forward, how would God, how would God you? get you to know that? Yeah. What would God use to, to convict you? What would yeah. he, what, what sort of a sign do? would you need to see would to know be, that God is telling you you're on the wrong track? Right. How would he get your attention? Right. How would he get your attention? Because here's my question. My thought process is if the absolute devastation of a house fire and the spiritual death of one or more of your beloved children is not enough to drive you to your knees in repentance and begging God to forgive you for your mistakes and show you how to please him better in the future. And what does then it take? Then what, in yeah. God's name, will it take? Well, yeah. You know, like physical death of children is a terrible thing to talk about. But how many people get mad at God right. when that happens? Right. And and just double down on their insistence that they actually do know right. best. Right. And if here's the, again, good news. The good news is when you go to scripture and you start asking those really hard questions and you ask God to search your heart and to convict you, um, there is still hope. There's only one person who can actually raise people from the dead and it is God. And so if you're going, Oh no, I've killed this plant. I've, you know, and that thought overwhelms you with sadness and you think that there is nothing that can be done now. Actually, there still is something that can be done. Even now, it's not too late to uh, to repent. It's not too late to course correct. Mm-hmm. But 
If your habit up till now has always been to rush to social media to get validation for whatever you're currently doing, then you are to, stuck. To justify your continued disobedience yep. and your, continu- your continued yep. sin. That's or as you like to call them, bad choices. Right. Bad, bad, bad decisions. decisions. Yeah, that's, that is the difference between a regenerate, um, Holy Spirit indwelt, you know, Christ-honoring person, somebody who genuinely wants to please God with their life, and somebody who just wants God to get on board with all of their plans. Right, right. And it's obvious when you read posts like this, where it's like, you know what? Don't feel bad if your kids are a well, mess. It was, if that your wasn't children even the thrust of mess, the post. It wasn't even written to the people luck. whose kids are a mess. It was written to the people who are judging, who are the, judging people the people whose kids are a whose mess. Kids are a mess right? Yeah. Don't blame the parents. It's not their fault. Don't blame parents for anything. And it would be, uh, you wonder if that person would be would write a similar post if their child becomes a, you know, the, the valedictorian and goes on to cure cancer, if they would say, <laughs> you know what, it's not, not anything I did. It's not my fault. Some kids just are excellent. Some kids I, they just, do, I think, say some that. Some kids just excel, and it's not me. I think that you underestimate just how deeply this whole sense of we have no idea what we're doing runs in everybody. There were people commenting under that original post who were saying basically that. They said, you know, I was one no of the way. lucky ones. No way. If, if, somebody said you, if somebody said, oh, you're a great mom, look at how this kid's turned no. out, they, they would not argue with them. Yes, they do, Dad. A hundred percent they do. I'm telling you there were people commenting under this post who said, I was one of the lucky ones. My kids never did drugs. They always got good grades, but I can't take any credit for that. Point blank. Yeah, because they that's what they've been catechized to believe. That's the new religion. And they many of them think that it's Christianity. Well, they might be right. Right? I mean if they if they do believe it's a luck of the draw and if they if they've done nothing, then then maybe they can't take any credit for it. That well, and again, there are exceptions to certain rules. There are people who turn out rotten when, you know, everything was given to them and done to their benefit. And mm-hmm. then there are those who manage to escape really horrible, you know, abusive situations and they become these great, you know, revival preachers or whatever. Like we we all love those stories. Um, but But to me, it all boils down to where do you go for your advice and for your encouragement when you feel stuck or when you feel lost. Right. Well, and if you are a, again, if you're a Christian person, it does not, it does not serve and honor God if you convey to the world that even becoming a Christian, even following Christ, uh, everything is just a crapshoot. You know, your kids, your kids may turn out all right, but they might not. And if you're a, if you're a Christian, you know, they still might not turn out all right. Right. Well, I mean, imagine that your child, your teenager, is reading your social media posts. I mean, what what message is he or she getting from that one right there? I mean, you point blank said it's probably genetic or it could be any number of factors that are completely outside of our control and, you know, who are we to judge? And so they're internalizing all of that. Sure. They're, they're actively becoming what they've been trained to become, just like the scripture says they will do. What you teach them is what they internalize. What you feed them is is what they use to grow. And it's evident in 15, 20, 30 years what they feasted on. When you when you tell them, hey, you shouldn't 
you shouldn't get in trouble with the police. You shouldn't do things that break the law. And they would say, why? It's all, it's just a random thing anyway. And I'm still a good person. You know, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm loving everybody. I'm, you know, Mom, this is why people don't want to go to church with you. This is why people don't go to church. Always pointing out our, my flaws You're and never focusing on the good stuff. About being not a good person. And so pharisaical. You, you're throwing the first stone over here as if you've never sinned. I and I am a good person. I am a good person. That's the reason I went to church was to spread my goodness <laughs> to the other people. Oh my goodness! To get to get a little bit of my sunshine and light it's, out into the rest of the congregation. Yep, it's it's pervasive. This this religion, I guess, new religion. They call it Christianity. It's not, and that's spreading. That is more prominent or more prevalent in the church than whatever somebody wants to say about white nationalism and Trumpism and everything else that's supposedly like just running roughshod over the churches like they claim that this hyper conservative well but everything falls apart for them moralism is like that's also random isn't it isn't it also just lucky that some people become it's just flat not true like it's not true that when you walk into the average church the message being delivered in youth group is a pro-trump message what's being delivered in youth group is precisely this message that i just read that was shared twenty-five thousand times on social media that is the dominant message being preached in church. So if we're going to blame church for the fact that our kids are not returning and they're not, you know, Christians after college, then we need to take an honest look at what we're feeding them at church and stop telling ourselves, oh, that John Branion with his arrogance and, oh, those people who voted for Trump, they're the reason my kid isn't coming to church anymore. It's like, that's his, ridiculous. John's hateful rhetoric is driving people out of the it's, church ridiculous because they spend way more time with their own moral relativist parents than they do with John Branion. And right. this... I'm not the reason that your kid got picked up for shoplifting. Okay. No. Uh, I've no. never been pro shoplifting. Because you told him nobody's allowed to judge him. That's why he's getting picked up for shoplifting. Right. <laughs> and, and he has... And he's been fed a steady diet of, you know what, it doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes you're just going to go bad, but you're loved anyway. Yep. It doesn't matter. You're yep. loved, 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 no matter what you do. Don't let anyone judge you today, Carl. And buy some fireworks. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, do that. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.